0: This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Future Talk Podcast.
1: Future Talk.
0: Future Talk with Omya Al-Saleh and Hany Balkas on pulse
1: ninety five. good afternoon ladies and gentlemen it is sunday fun day i mean we had a very long weekend we're kicking we're kick-starting uh, our sunday off right here on future talk with very uh smiles in the studio we have a lot of people in the studio coming in and out we had uh, uh, we saw. I saw Rania. I haven't seen Rania in a while, and uh, I was very happy to see her. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just having a fun day right now. I mean, uh, it's Sunday. Sunday is always a good day and to it's start. A pa-
2: it's a packed day in the pulse 95 it's- Studios. It's been a while since we've seen a lot of people here.
1: Yes, it's a packed day. But Omnia, we always talk about the historic monument the Great Wall of China. (laughs) But now in 2020, we're talking about the Great Firewall of China. And today we're going to be talking about how Alibaba is helping students scale the Great Firewall of China. Yes,
2: indeed. Now, we we all know that China definitely has a lot of uh, supervision when it comes to how their students use the Internet, who uses the Internet, what websites can they access. But with the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of the students have been studying through online learning Mm. and that has meant that they haven't really had much access to all of their resources Mm. if they were outside of China. So Mm. how has uh, Alibaba been helping out with that? We're going to be giving you all the details as well as talking all about Apple because their new Macs might just be getting Face ID. Now this is fantastic news for all MacBook users and iMac users because we all know how convenient Face ID can be.
1: Yes, now, now a lot of tech savvy people on YouTube and a lot of social Social media uh, uh, platforms are, are, are going crazy over this. Now, I, didn- I never knew how important this was Until uh, I think today morning I was opening up my feed on Instagram And on Twitter mm. And I saw a lot of people Who are very well known in the tech industry Talking about how this is a revolution And uh, I'm very excited to talk about this And we might just see what our audience Has to think about this
2: Absolutely Share your thoughts with us at 4215 Do it a lot Or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio But coming up is also A very interesting conversation With uh, uh, Paul Epping Who's going to be telling us all- about the future of healthcare post-COVID-19 now we've seen different technology being integrated into the healthcare industry ever since the coronavirus pandemic has become a part of our lives from telemedicine Mm. to robots uh, helping bites taking the vitals of different patients but what about the world after COVID-19
1: now Omni and I have talked about we've brought a lot of guests on the show who talk about telemedicine virtual doctors or virtual prescriptions Mm -hmm. but uh i mean i mean this is a never-ending uh topic to talk about because in the world of tech we're always getting new innovation new technology and we're very excited to talk with paul epping today
2: absolutely he is the co-chair of the millennium project and he's definitely going to be sharing with us a lot from his wisdom uh, as a futurist as well coming up future talk has lots and lots to offer for you so keep pulse 95 locked and we'll be right back
1: you're listening to pulse 95 Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world.
2: Your quick roundup of everything that is happening in the tech world, in the UAE and around the world. Today, we're going to be traveling all the way to China to talk about a service that Alibaba is working on that is going to allow all of their students to access content from foreign universities uh, that is either stored in those uh, Uh, Clouds in those universities Or streamed without latency Now This may sound A little bit weird For people studying here In the UAE Because We have access To any resources we want We're lucky enough To have access To any resources we want From any university Mm. But in China Things are a little bit different Uh, They can be very controlled And the government controls What access Do their Mm. citizens have So for example They don't have WhatsApp They don't have Facebook They don't have Instagram Instead they have WeChat
1: Yes and they don't even have access to something we use every day. And if we have a question <laughs> that we're not sure about, we go and ask Mr. Google. Yes. Now, Google plays a big part on how we obtain and how we receive information. I
2: think I want to thank Google for my university degree at yes. this point. Because- I, mean, I- He answered all my questions. And
1: even, Omnia, we can go as far as to say they have their own specific type of Wikipedia. Yes. And Wikipedia has played a big part in students' roles on obtaining information, writing essays. And I can say, as for myself, and I can speak for the both of us, I can speak for a majority of students across the world that we use uh, Wikipedia to gain information and to help us write our essays. Mm-hmm. And with, with students in China not being t- able to have this access does potentially show a big, uh, a big struggle. Because Omnia, oh, yeah, we've kind of surpassed uh, mm-hmm. uh, the traditional way of obtaining information. Now, I believe our fathers, when they were in university, when they need to write a paper, they would go to the library, take oh, out yes. a big his- history <laughs> book and, and uh, skim through the, the, the text. But now, thankfully, in the world of technology and the age we're in, all we be- can
2: access it online. We don't even need to go to the physical library. I think I visited the physical library in my university twice.
1: Yeah, I, that's not. Uh, we, other
2: than that, it was all online.
1: Exactly, all online, and and not being able to have this access does show a potential, or it's not a potential. It is a fact, a big struggle for these students. Yeah. And uh, with the coronavirus pandemic uh, going on in China, as it did originate in China of December of 2019, many Ch- Chinese students did return home after the virus did prompt causes. For uh, the campuses to shut down and have actually difficulty watching live stream tutorials or even accessing class material materials due mm-hmm. to this great w- firewall of China. Yeah. We know the Great Wall of China. <laughs> this is the Great, fire
2: the great, great of Firewall of China. The Great Firewall.
1: And for people who don't know what a firewall is, it's basically like a wall that you cannot surpass or cannot go through on on online.
2: Yes, indeed. So it actually. Chooses and picks and chooses what, what content, yeah, what content you have access for. But not only does it block websites uh, that the government deems sensitive, such as, for example, Google, as we mentioned, but it can also slow down the loading speeds mm. of accessible overseas-based websites. So university associations have been saying that soon after the virus started spreading globally, Alibaba's cloud division met with member institutions, and they pitched access to a network that could be. Established within 48 hours, this network is very crucial because it's basically acting as a bridge between the university's portals and mainland Chinese students.
1: Now, now this brings the question. This raises a question as Alibaba is owned by Jack Ma, mm-hmm. who I believe uh, is is it's the is,
2: biggest cloud service is, provider. Is the richest in China. person
1: in, in China.
2: I'm guessing I believe so so,
1: Or one of the top Five billionaires in China Mm. Now I'm wondering What the government's Take is on this As Mm. you're having Such a big Political And a big Influential person uh, Making these uh, Type of of, of Resources And access To these information How will they Control Mm. Alibaba
2: It's definitely A question worth asking Because as we know uh, The Chinese government Loves to have A lot of control Over what content Does its citizens Have access for Um, But Speaking about Alibaba uh, They were actually saying that At a time of deteriorating diplomatic relations Between China and the West Over issues like trade, virus prevention And Hong Kong security Their company The company that is assisting them, Huawei Has definitely been supporting them by providing hardware So Mm. I feel like uh, What China's take is on this is if it's helping out their students who are studying at their universities, then it's okay for them to have access to this content. Things change once they come back to the university and aren't physically in China. But up until now, I think it's a great initiative.
1: You're 100 percent correct, Omnia. Now, when we look at technology, there's two types of technology. Yeah. There is the Chinese technology, and then there's the Western technology, and unfortunately, uh, having these two merge is a big issue for yeah. for, for China, and they kind of uh, kind of steer away from merging with the West, uh, given their their own uh, their their own reasons why. But uh, especially when it comes to education, Omnia, I believe that. O- education should be open to all. Absolutely. Open it to sh- all and information should be available widely across all platforms. It
2: should be a right and not a privilege and we are so, so, so lucky to be right here in the UAE where, especially those who are studying in university, I mean we both studies in universities in Sharjah, we never struggled with accessing content. It was always found on a plate of gold, whatever website you wanted to access in terms of mm. uh, research studies and journal articles, we always had access for that. So it definitely makes us grateful for the little things.
1: Now, I'm going to go back and talk about how uh, Alibaba intends to use this platform. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, VPNs are illegal in China. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Alibaba does want to use a VPN-like experience mm. when students do browse the web for content relevant only to their studies. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if a student can find out how to manipulate <laughs> this and go to content that is illegal or not allowed. And I mean, there's a lot of what's and biff's and there's a lot of loopholes or uh, kind of a, 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 a space between the cracks True. to go into for these students. It's a double-edged and sword. You it's know? a double-edged sword, and, I, and I, I'm excited to see what uh, what China has in store for Alibaba, or what and what Alibaba has in store for these students. As you said, Omnia, uh, studying and 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 getting education is a right, not a privilege.
2: Absolutely, but you know what else I'm excited for. MacBooks and iMacs because there is a rumor that Apple may just be giving its Macs Face ID, mm. which is fantastic news for all those who hate typing in their passcode.
1: Yes, Sonia, Now, before we get into that, there's actually a lot of different ways how we can access our MacBook or our uh, our uh, our iMac. There's fingerprints. The yeah. There's fingerprints. If you have a smartwatch or Apple Watch connected to your device, mm. automatically it will open up. But uh Apple is is upping the ante right now with the face id now we know that many iphone and ipad models do let you already unlock your device with your face using face id but mm-hmm. on a mac you still do need to type in your password or, or even use a
2: t- or use apple a touch wa- id or
1: yeah or use your apple watch to auto unlock your mac or depending yeah. on what model of mac you have to use your fingerprint with touch id mm. but reportedly omnia <laughs> this is a new discovery that a lot of tech giants i uh, sorry not tech giant tech innovators and, and tech analysts. savvy people yeah. are talking about that soon enough we mm-hmm. can access our mac computers with Face ID.
2: Absolutely. Now, the code in the beta version apparently references Apple's code name for the True Depth Camera. For those of you who don't know, the True Depth Camera actually is what enables the Face ID in all Face ID-capable devices like the iPhone 11, iPhone iPhone X, XS Max, and the iPad Pro. But no Macs currently have one uh, available within them, so Mm. the code also has snippets mentioning the terms. Face Detect, and BioCapture, which seems to point to a biometric facial recognition of some kind. Now, as we all know, these are definitely uh, they're suggestions and predictions by analysts who go ahead and study in-depth the beta codes of Apple's latest update. So this is not set in stone we may they may come out the new MacBooks may come out with no face ID so don't take our word for it
1: but it only makes sense Omnia as our MacBooks and our Mac computers Mm. are already built in with a camera uh, so you don't it's not like uh, if you buy a, a a desktop a windows desktop you, you have, have to buy, to buy a a, an webcam. external webcam yeah. now mac mac computers already have a, a webcam installed so it only makes sense and i believe uh to enable face id it might be a little bit of a software more than a hardware type of thing as uh, the cameras already do have your yeah. technology let us know 4215 what do you think about apple bringing in face id facial recognition to their computers to their laptops and are you excited for that would you go <laughs> and make that new purchase when that model comes out 4215 and if you cannot text us in for any reason possible go to our instagram at pulse95 radio and again for the 10th time we are live on youtube so you can go to our youtube pulse95 radio and enjoy let the sunday
2: know. vibes with us in the pulse95 studios youtube pulse95 radio that's where you can find us but Coming up on Future Talk, we're going to be joined by the co-chair of the Millennium Project, Mr. Paul Epping, who's going to be telling us all about the future hospitals post-COVID-19 world. And it's crazy how now we're referring to the world as pre-COVID-19, post-COVID-19. Inshallah,
1: Inshallah soon we're going to be talking a lot about post-COVID-19.
2: Inshallah, up. So let us know if you have any questions for Paul Epping about what the future hospitals are going to be looking like. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. Pulse
1: 95. Future Talk.
2: Future Talk.
0: With Onya Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95.
2: Do you know what is immune to the coronavirus? It is not a human being and it's not an animal. It is AI or artificial intelligence. And most people had some degree of fear or worry about AI taking over our jobs until Mm. this pandemic hit. And it basically gave an AI more or less of a chance to rewrite its story on how it's helping us and how it could be of help and not a a source of dangers. Mm. Uh, We've asked for help For its help in education sectors, in the healthcare industry and so many more How has AI helped us during this pandemic and what will the hospital of the future look like in a post-COVID-19 world? These are all questions that we are going to be answering uh, shortly And joining us today to give us uh, a little bit of his perspective on this topic Is the co-chair of the Millennium Project, the world-leading foresight organization, Mr. Paul Epping Welcome to the show, Mr. Paul
0: uh, good afternoon, everybody on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, interesting questions um, that you're asking there, Omnia. <clears throat> so um, important is to know that um, in, in, in the next seven years, have you any idea how, how the amount of medical information will increase? Have you any idea?
2: Uh, definitely uh, a lot I- more <laughs> than we can imagine.
1: Yeah,
0: I was yes, believe- more, more yeah. than a trillion times. Oh wow! So, so yeah, it's a, uh, information, right? So that is that is doubling like crazy. So the question here is: Can we human beings deal with that? And mm. the answer is obviously not. So we need technology to help us to understand all that information and the relationships between that information. Um, and that that is where AI kicks in in uh, in healthcare, and mm. it will increase dramatically. Um, to, uh, to help us to, um, uh, to stay healthy and to discover disease in a very early stage, mm. including things like what we are facing now, mm. the COVID-19. And um, in a very early stage, we already can detect uh, that someone is developing a disease like this, you know, and mm. then we immediately have using AI and um, uh, 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 let's say treatments or mm. scenarios for treatments available um, and one of the things that the corona crisis um, uh, taught us um, over the last half year if mm. you will is that we are completely completely this um, uh, defragmented that mm. means that we are not collaborating mm. And if he would collaborate a little bit better in, in the, the, the meeting before that you were talking about China, for instance, <laughs> if everything would be open immediately and alarming the rest of the world. Hey, this going on. Hey, let's let's collaborate and see what we can do together. And these are a couple of preventative measurements that we can do to not spread that virus like crazy as it did now.
2: Absolutely. And, 100%.
0: and that is one of the, weak, the, the weakest things that we see now in this, this whole uh, uh, pandemic Pandemic that we see.
1: Now. Absolutely. 100%. Now, you, you mentioned that we would have trilli- a trillion uh, type of information. And that's where AI does come in handy. Because we know we feed AI with information. And obviously, I believe that AI is smarter than us. So it can be more responsive and quicker to tackle uh, a situation just like the global crisis is going on. So, do you believe that in the future, if we do go through a global crisis, a global pandemic, and we do feed this AI and and with machine learning all this information, would AI be more responsive and quicker and give us a solution than now?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But firstly, um, um, AI is not smarter than us. Oh. And <laughs> it, it will. It will. Uh, I saw that one coming. <laughs> It is a, bit, a little bit smarter than, than us. What we are talking, what you are talking about, and that is correct. Mm-hmm. That that AI is very very good in in narrow uh, area. Mm-hmm. So a let's say an AI in, incorporated in robots can do amazing things that human beings cannot do and in in a in way um, faster pace than we can do. Well, everybody knows the Go player. That has been uh, beaten by Alpha Zero, <laughs> an AI uh, solution developed by Google, and uh, but don't ask that AI to drive a car. That mm-hmm, will be mm-hmm. a little bit messy, I guess, or uh, 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 cook a dinner, or do something else. You know, that is not possible yet. Mm-hmm. But they are unbelievably good in a very narrow area. That is not smart because. Um, uh, Once that AI won the go play Mm. several times, was it happy? (laughs) No. Exactly. So those are one of the things that is still short.
2: It's like being book smart and not life smart.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm. And um, but the, the area of narrow intelligences is expanding and will probably overlap other areas of narrow intelligences so that all together will become more and more uh, smarter as what you just said more and more smart what you just said very interesting and it will eventually reach a stage of what we call general intelligence Mm, absolutely general intelligence and that that is comparable with how are we thinking
2: Mm, definitely coming back we're going to be talking all about the applications of artificial intelligence that we've been seeing during the pandemic what are their drawbacks what are their benefits but also a little bit about how maintainable will they be after COVID-19 leaves our lives keep Pulse95 locked we'll be right back you're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Future Talk with Onya Al Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95.
1: Now, with the COVID 19 global pandemic going on, we've seen a lot of new innovation coming into the medical world. And uh, the, the most thing that a lot of people are targeting, and the most information and news we've been seeing is the the future of AI and the adaptation of AI and how we're using AI in the medical field. So to talk about AI, why not bring an expert?
2: Absolutely. We are joined today by the co-chair of the Millennium Project, the world-leading foresight organization, Paul Epping. Um, Quick question to you, Paul. A lot of us, You know, we hear about the use of artificial intelligence, the use of robots in the healthcare industry. We've seen them take care of patients, taking their vital signs and reporting back to doctors. We've seen them in the form of contact tracing applications. But are they the same? Can we refer to artificial intelligence as a robot and can we refer to a robot as AI? Or is there a difference in between both?
0: no i don't think so and i will give you an example Mm -hmm. so um the things that you're just um, mentioning um um, taking your blood pressure etc and temperature uh, done by robots fine but it is more interesting if you're talking about surgical robots Mm -hmm. so robots that can do surgery Mm. and robots that can do surgery better than a surgeon (laughs) and that is where we are going Mm. so there is now already there are robots out there that can completely replace your your your, your teeth with implants mm. and without any touch of a, of a dentist or a, um, a human a, a, a surgeon. Mm. No, not at all. So and that is now r- reason that a little bit further into the future, you know, that you have supervised AI. That means that a robot uh, is being taught by a surgeon to mm. do an operation. Mm and so that the robot can do that operation as it has been taught so now um, a lot of uh, surgeons have "Well, that is not possible because we see so many deviations well um, and that you have at the spot you have to make your decision what to do so but while you are doing that let's say for a a, a simple operation and there is a deviation you teach at the spot the robot to do it in a little little different way. Mm. Mm. At the moment, imagine that you have hundred of these robots around the world. Mm. In a split second, all those hundred robots know that deviation. Mm. And vice versa, if they find in their procedures on the other side of the world a deviation, then all the robots around the world know that same and they don't need to go to college for five years to lead to to, no. to, to, to teach you you know they do it in a split, sec- split second that is what's going on and those let's say complication complicated surgers, uh, surgeries will be done by robots including brain uh, surgery uh, way better than the current uh, surgeons can do and that is not that the surgeons will lose their job no mm-hmm. they will learn also and help the, the, the robot to do the procedures better in new ways. Mm. Um, and, and that is an ongoing area that we that we see emerging. Mm. And it leads to way better um, um, surgical procedures and way way cheaper. Um, so combine that with all kind of early diagnostic uh, uh, solutions that mm. are coming to the market and that are already in the market. We, we we can reduce the amount of um, surgical proce- procedures because you are already in a very early stage, <clears throat> are able to uh, detect certain deviations, for instance cancers or so. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we probably will need, surgeons, um, uh, surgeons and, and, and other medical people, mm. is in the um, emergency cases you know mm-hmm. there is an accident and now you have um, uh, you have to have a team to help including a robot
1: now now um yeah now this brings a question it's popping a question into my brain how how can ai kind of it, could it personalize healthcare in the future now since yes, yeah how completely. might it personalize healthcare
0: um i'm not i'm i'm, I'm not talking about personalized yeah. medicine i'm talking about personalized health yeah that means if you are with wearables Collecting data about you all day, 24/7, mm. um, feed it in the algorithms. They can come back to you with as what to do. And what they also do is scribing, is is um, uh, populating your personal health record mm-hmm. with that information. So that is the only source of truth that you have about your health, and that is what you can share with. Um, uh, clinicians, whomever Mm -hmm. you want, including robots, Mm -hmm. so that they can give you an advice if there is a problem.
2: And we've seen, um, we've seen it with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, a lot of wearables, like one of them, I think, being the Aura Ring, have been able to notify their users, oh, you're wearing one yourself. I have one, <laughs> <Yeah>, of course. <laughs> so they were actually, I read a story about uh, the ring notifying uh, it's the person wearing it that something was off with their sleeping patterns, their breathing rate, ah. and that actually caused them to go ahead and get checked out by a healthcare professional. Later yeah. on, they found out they had COVID.
0: Yeah, with the uh, University of San Francisco, the um, uh, the Aura Ring um, set, a, set up a collaboration to collect every day, every day during the Corona crisis, that people who are wearing the ring mm. can send in um, uh, information about themselves. And the ring checks your temperature. The ring uh, checks, of course, your, your sleeping pattern. And if you see deviations that could lead mm to having um, a coronavirus Mm
1: -hmm. Now, Mr. Paul, going back with uh, personalized healthcare now, with the coronavirus pandemic and kind of not being able to go to a doctor's office, a lot of people were kind of anxious to go to a doctor's office, and uh, we saw the the, the emerging of uh, virtual doctors. Could we see in the near future a virtual doctor who is AI and could diagnose you based off your symptoms?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that virtual doctor is in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, uh, that is the beauty of it. So because you are collecting data con- consistently, continuously,
1: mm. uh,
0: with variables inside your body and, all, and, and, and on your body, um, collecting those data, feeding into that um, uh, personal doctor in your pocket, it gives you advice. And if it is a area where that um, AI cannot figure it out quite well, then the information will immediately be shared with a doctor or a physician. It will be shared anyway, So, um, but the, the, the speed in which your AI can tell you what to do is, uh, is way better than what we see now. That you have to, f- to, uh, to call a doctor, that you have to go there, blah 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 blah. Mm. Meanwhile, um, uh, you, you already have advices what to do. And I think the mm. earlier we are using, we are embracing these kind of things, Uh, the better it is. By the way, I started 20 years ago, mind you, 20 years ago, telemedicine applications in the Netherlands, 20 years ago. And I had to fight with insurance companies and and governments to adopt it. And they said, well, that is not going to happen. And that is blah, 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 blah. And today you see that it is at least embraced 20 years ago. That is the adoption (sighs) um uh time that is needed incubation
2: time absolutely i mean i definitely uh, agree with you in the fact that it took sadly it took people a crisis for them to realize the beauty yes. and the role of technology but at least we're hoping that post-covid-19 adoption we, we learn from our
1: mistakes yeah they, they always tell you uh t- to know the, the, the to know about the future read the mistakes of history
2: absolutely and maybe now post-covid-19 we can at least uh, ad- maybe welcome those technologies with uh, wide open arms. Coming up on Future Talk, we're going to be telling you all about the worries of adopting such technology. Privacy is always a question and uh, security is definitely a hot topic nowadays whenever we're talking about adopting technology, especially such personalized uh, applications like those uh, that trace uh, contacts of COVID-19. If you have any questions for Paul Epping, make sure you send them in at 4215 do or it is a lot, or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back.
1: This is Pulse95. Future,
2: Future Talk with Amy Al-Saleh and Henry Balkis on Pulse95. Whenever we're talking about artificial intelligence, a lot of people used to get Immediately goosebumps, uh, a surge of fear of them taking over our jobs. But when the coronavirus pandemic hit, uh, a lot of us started dreaming of becoming immune to this deadly disease. And the only creature that was basically immune to coronavirus has been artificial intelligence and robotics. And uh, this is probably the only reason why a lot of us started welcoming those robots and artificial intelligence into our hospitals, uh, into different sectors with wide open arms, simply because They were our only solution. But in a post-COVID-19 world, will we adopt them a lot easier? This is what we're talking about with uh, the co-chair of the Millennium Project, the world leading foresight organization, Paul Epping. Paul, a question that comes to mind whenever we're talking about artificial intelligence is the worry of privacy and security. So especially, let's say, with contact tracing applications that we've been seeing a lot of countries implement to help curb the spread of coronavirus, a lot of people have been worried about their privacy. Who owns this information and for how long are they available in this application? And also, post-COVID-19, what happens to this data? Will Mm. it stay in those apps and uh, will it be used against us? So what is your take on on the privacy issue? Do you believe that we could come into uh, some form of middle ground where we can adopt this technology but at the same time maintain users' privacies?
0: Yeah, I think that we have uh, to ask another question as well is... Um, what what do we appreciate more our life or our privacy Ooh, and, and in some drop. cases <laughs> in some cases you have to give up your privacy to save your life yeah mm. um, as simple as that um, but um, that doesn't mean that mm. it should maintain like that you know mm. in a crisis situation and you want to save big amounts of populations mm. you have to to give some you know and that can be parts of your privacy. And, um, and, and that is related in this case to a disease and that doesn't mean that all kind of information around you is available as well no it's only related to that um, uh, to that um, uh, emergency case you know <clears throat> in this case let's say coronavirus so i gave up my privacy related to mm. what i did with the ordering uh, to send in my uh, my temperature my um, exposure to potential people who have uh, Corona, etc. And, um, and, and they, I know, that they keep that information secure and only for scientific re- reasons. Mm. Um, that does not mean that everybody will do that and does do that. Mm. So the, in, the information in the end will be stored in the cloud. And a cloud we know that is um, secured and in many cases way better than on your phone, for yeah. instance, mm. or that you do privately. So uh, that is also that we have to take into account. But the, the, there are always people around who are who, who want to have that data because of the sake of being able to hack or to sell those data. Mm. What we also have to keep in mind and don't underestimate that is that we are incre- that we are using increasingly more, increasingly more. I repeat that sensors and 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 on your body and those do have different clouds and they do have all kind of different sources where you bring that information to Mm. and it is not only then you are storing your information in Mm. a cloud but also the route to that cloud Mm. is vulnerable so we have to to figure that out as well how to protect this as good as possible a big huge issue and and i call it this is a symmetric escalation mm. in the world of um, cyber security mm. and that means that the hackers are a little bit ahead of the people who protect it and then the people who are protecting it a little bit ahead it's and like an endless solution. race there's an end and yeah, that is actually that is yeah
1: so 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 basically just like you said uh sometimes you have to give a little bit of a privacy to save yourself and save mm. the people around you as this data Is very vital because uh, someone might have the same symptoms or or, or biometrics that you have that can be used to save someone else's life. And I believe the information that would be given isn't that uh, sensitive in a way that could kind of uh, harm another person, uh, harm yourself. I mean, it's it's temperature, body checks, uh, things like this. So I believe that kind of uh, risking that and sending it to the cloud and maybe a hacker does hack into it. But uh, I believe that it's all for the greater good
0: yeah hopefully and um you know and and what i forgot to uh, to say is that cybersecurity is mm. a game between ai mm. it's not human beings cannot understand cannot act that fast anymore the por- the problem here and you touched on that earlier is already who is owning that who mm. is owning uh, and who is controlling mm. um, those um, those AIs and what they are doing, and especially if you're talking in machine learning, machine learning per definition learns from new data.
2: It learns and, based on patterns, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and 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 how good are those new data, and who is controlling those new data, and what does the machine learning from those new data, mm-hmm. and if those new data are biased, what is the bias, the effect of the bias, and on top of that, if you have biased algorithms, then you have double bias environment. So how are we going about with that is a little bit difficult yet to um, to solve or to even prevent us from that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, talking about who who is controlling our data. Question is also who is protecting True. our data?
2: And there are so many lessons that the healthcare systems can learn from during this pandemic. So hopefully post COVID-19, uh, our AI and robots can help us adapt and deal with global crises at a much better rate. Paul Epping, futurist and co-chair of the Millennium Project, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such an interesting conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank, thank you. So you. Much. It, it was so interesting, especially talking about and AI the way, and the future of AI.
2: Yes.
0: And by the way, I am also the chairman of the Exponential um, EQ, which is a new company that we build up in uh, the Middle East to work on these kind of activities Abs- what we are just talking
2: about well exactly If you want, from the man himself if you want to find a solution you might as well go ahead and create it yourself we are absolutely proud of you Paul mm-hmm. Epping uh, he's definitely a regular guest on Future Talk um, and to everyone tuning in to us right now whether you were tuning in through our YouTube channel Pulse 95 Radio or from your car 95 FM or even through the app SBA thank you so much for lending us your ears Future Talk is coming to an end but we will be back same time same place tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m. Until then, they should keep Pulse95 locked.
1: Yes, indeed. We have the afternoon collect the dream team coming into clutch (laughs) to talk about everything that you need to know about what's happening in the youth, whether it's video games or even movies or TV show recommendations. So just like Omnia said, keep Pulse95 locked and we'll be right back.
0: This is Pulse95.
1: Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.